I'd like to uh, welcome you back to the Art of Marriage. Our remaining schedule is we're going to be obviously meeting today and then next week, and then we'll be done. So we'll be going through uh, session six next week. I don't know exactly what room we're going to meet in next week. Uh, we'll send an email out uh, during the week just to kind of let you know. I don't know if uh, a Pastor Ken could possibly be be, uh, be back next week. I know he's going to be starting a new series, so his class might uh, meet in here. So I don't know if we're going to be in here or not. So anyway, we'll send you out an email uh, this week just to uh, let you know on that. So if you weren't able to be with us last week, uh, the recording is on our website under audio, and then we have uh, a little icon there for Partners in Purpose, so you can uh, click on that. Also, if you wanted to uh, view the DVD session again, you can go to Right Now Media, and under their marriage series, uh, The Art of Marriage is there, and you can click on any um, of the issues or sessions that you wanted to uh, to uh, replay, so just to let you know that. If you don't know how to get to Right Now Media, just see me afterwards and we'll uh, show you on how to get there. But also, last week I mentioned that we're going to have some changes with the uh, uh, Partners with Purpose ministry coming in the fall. Uh, we've just been really meeting on the four weeks that we've been having our membership classes. Uh, it's been very spread out, as you know. Uh, we started in February, and this was our next uh, sessions here in uh, July. So that's it's kind of hard to have any consistency in your ministry when we're meeting that far apart. So we were just kind of getting going with things. But starting in the fall, we're going to make some plans to uh, to change that. We'd like to meet on the nights that we're not going to have community groups. So we're either going to meet one or two nights uh, a month for that. So that's going to help out with that. Um, I believe that we're going to meet here at the ministry center. So it's going to give us it's a little bit more time to be able to work the material. And then also it's a little bit more of a relaxed setting. It's not quite as rushed when we're coming out of uh, Cafe uh, community and trying to make that transition. So it's going to help with that. We're going to try to have some uh, child care for those of you who can't find uh, someone to um, to watch your children. But it's also going to allow us some small group time. And um, this series, The Art of Marriage, is a small group series. So it's designed for small groups so that you can get together and after the DVD session, you're able to break up into small groups and work through the material and just kind of work that material into your life. And that's what makes it uh, so effective. So this is a large group. So we're just uh, dealing with it as best we can. Like I said, in the fall, we're hoping to be able to... Uh, to be able to uh, make it a little bit more intimate of a setting, and I think it's going to help with uh, going through the material. Uh, one of the uh, goals as well is to be able to invite the parents of that send their children to our daycare center here during the week, so we want to be able to invite them to that. So we're probably, the plan is right now, we're going to start with a parenting series uh, in the fall because of that, because we're going to be inviting uh, those from our daycare uh, it'll be Family Lisa, The Art of Parenting. I've heard, heard a lot of good things about that. After that, we'll probably go through a marriage book. Uh, and again, we'll be able to uh, break up into small groups and kind of work through that material. Uh, a, a year from this fall, we'll probably go through Financial Peace University. We had this here probably about maybe uh, two years ago. So we'd like to go through it again. 
And for those of you who haven't been through Financial Peace University, it's an excellent uh, series to go through on how to handle your, your personal finances. Again, we'd like to be able to invite the uh, daycare parents uh, to that. So before we get into our uh, DVD session, uh, just kind of a quick review before we get into session five. Um, it, last week in session four was Love Interrupted, Communication and Conflict. And I hope that you've had an opportunity, and I really encourage you last week, for both of you to be able to go through this uh, book. There's a lot of good things. Last week was um, was no exception in uh, session four. It helped us w- learning how to deal with our anger, uh, different tips that we could use, utilize to be able to basically cool off so our uh, spats don't end up in this huge, uh, in, in this huge fight. Uh, what to consider when repair, um, preparing to confront um, your spouse over something, maybe it's a dislike or sin or whatever, how to do that appropriately, Uh, seeking and granting forgiveness, and it also gives some date night ideas and discussion topics. So I think it's one night, I think it's one thing to say, hey, um, utilize some uh, date nights to be able to go through this material. But then it's also, okay, so we get on a date night, so what do we do then? Okay, so it lays everything out for you. It gives you topics of discussion and different questions to kind of work through. Uh, we learned that conflict is common in all marriages. All marriages. You're, you're not alone <laughs> if there's conflict from time to time. Uh, and the goal is not to be conflict-free. But how do we handle conflict correctly when it does occur in our marriages? And we also went through the uh, healthy uh, conflict resolution, which is uh, we are willing to seek and grant forgiveness whenever we do go through conflict. Uh, we also looked at uh, James 4.1, and it says, uh, you know, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's the desires, uh, the battle within. It's the passions. Like uh, It's like an unbeliever that would, the passions and the desires that build up within them. It's the sin nature within us. It causes the fights and the quarrels um, among us. And we fail to deal with it as a believer. We fail to display the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance. Forbearance is enduring offenses. Okay, so that means that we're able to overlook that. Now, that doesn't mean we're a human punching bag. We can just let somebody just, you know, wail on us, okay? Those are other issues that we have to deal with. But that is a fruit of the Spirit, is forbearance. So we're enduring offenses against us. And we talked about, you know, when is it that we should confront a spouse? Well, obviously, if your spouse is sinning against you, or they're sin in their life, that we should approach them. But uh, approach them gently with it, and um, displaying the, the, the fruits of the Spirit as we do that. Uh, but also there's going to be some uh, offenses from time to time that are just really going to get underneath your skin. <laughs> uh, the, one of the speakers last week mentioned about the, uh, the individual that drops towels. He's a towel dropper. And, um, you know, you, you look at it on its surface and you might think, well, what's the big deal? Okay, this individual, more than likely a husband, is a towel dropper. So he just drops towels. Well... You know, that might really just drive you up wise, it might just that might really just drive you up a wall. So again, that would be something you'd want to deal with, but not every offense like that would you want to approach your spouse over. So that's just kind of a quick review where we were last week. 
Again, I will encourage you to get into the book. We'll be in uh, uh, session five uh, this week. And that brings us to uh, session five, which is Love Sizzles, Experiencing Real Intimacy. And then we'll watch the DVD session. And then we'll have some questions that we'll kind of work through after that. Well, there, there are three. There are three reasons for sexual intercourse in the Bible. We typically only talk about two, and I want to give them in sort of a ascending order, from the least to the to, to the most. You know, uh, to to produce. You know, to have children. Uh, that's the reason for it. But the next one, which I think is higher than that, and celebrated in the Bible, is for pleasure. We got. You know, Song of Solomon, the book of Proverbs, and the writer of Hebrews says the marriage bed is undefiled, and God wants us to enjoy each other sexually. But the ultimate purpose of sexual intercourse in the Bible, the ultimate purpose is a celebration of our oneness in the sight of God. Every time a couple has sexual union, they're saying that I am a one-woman man or I am a one man woman and I am committed to you and you alone for the rest of my life. I am you and you are me. And that's the celebration that takes place. God created sex. And God didn't call everything very good until he had created the physical union between a man and his wife. So Hugh Hefner didn't create sex. Uh, God did. God had given Adam certain equipment certain drives that would only make certain sense if used in a certain way. That's not sexually explicit. That's just biology. God could have designed Adam to subdivide as an amoeba, but he doesn't. He chooses someone who's like him, but different from him. And when they are coming together, there is a an organic unity that is taking place. There's a new organism that is taking place in the uh, in the act of, of marital union. And so something really significant is happening there that can happen in no other place. I don't think God in heaven is uh, uh, frowning or uh, embarrassed, hiding his face from what takes place in the marriage bedroom. Um, the Proverbs are clear. He, he commanded them. He said, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated with her love. And it was the idea of sex and marriage. Uh, again, a, a book in the Bible was, was dedicated to passionate love in marriage. In fact, there are a number of components of passion uh, in marriage that are outlined in the, in the book of Song of Solomon that just point out God wants us to make passion and pleasure in our marriages a priority. How beautiful are your feet and sandals, O oh, prince's daughter. My beloved is dazzling and ruddy, outstanding among ten thousand. Among <laughs> these thousands of people, I so my beloved stands so out among stands these people. Out, yeah. Yes, um, oh, 
out. Please help me out here. His head is like gold, pure gold. His locks are like clusters of dates and black as a raven. Clusters of dates and black as a raven? I don't know. The guy has black hair. Black curly hair. The curves of your hips are like jewels. The work of the hands of an artist. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk and reposed in their setting. So they're very white. <laughs> I'm great at analyzing poems. Your navel is like a round goblet which never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is like a heap of wheat fenced about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Gazelles? <laughs> That's my line. I think it's romantic. Yeah. <laughs> his cheeks are like a bed of balsam. Banks of sweet-scented herbs. His hips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. Liquid myrrh. <laughs> <laughs> well, his lips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. That's, that's a prime one. Your neck is like a tower of ivory. Your eyes like the pools in Heshbon by the gate of Bath Rabin. Your nose is like a, t a tower of Lebanon, which faces <laughs> towards Damascus. Means that I have no idea. His hands are rods of gold set with beryl. His abdomen is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. Your head crowns you like caramel. I thought it was caramel. That would have been better. And the flowing locks of your head are like purple threads. The king is captivated by your tresses. His legs are pillars of alabaster set on pedestals of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. How beautiful and delightful, how delightful you are, my love, with all your charms. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters. I say, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit stalks. His mouth is full of sweetness, and he is wholly desirable. I agree at that point. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of wine, and the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. This is my beloved. This is my beloved, and this is my friend. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem. Oh. She just won me over. Did you guys write this? Where do I think it comes from? Short story. I'm thinking like you know, Greek mythology. Yeah. yeah. I think that's very sexual and I like it. This sounds like something comes out straight out of Twilight. Is it from the Bible? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I have to Jerusalem. I don't know. It's just like biblical stuff. You had to be pretty old and crazy to come up with something like that. <laughs> It's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful to see God not be afraid to address anything. When he talks in Song of Solomon and you hear the expression and you hear the passion and you hear the intimate description of the detail and the touching and, and what I think about it and what your breasts are. I mean, you hear these very uh, sensual passages, but it reminds you of just how wonderful and how great a gift sex is to a relationship. I think the Song of Songs is a is a glorious book. I mean, what a brilliant idea for God to put that in the canon to inspire married couples for what can be. My goal is to see that Cindy has a sexually wonderful marital experience. Her goal is to see that Michael has a wonderful, sexually fulfilling sexual experience. That's your goal. Your goal is not some Hollywood nonsense, but it's how do I 
help her have a wonderful experience with this a safe, lovely, profound, emotional, exhilarating, and vice versa. And to enjoy the relationship based around that, not just the event of the orgasmic experience or the climax of the, of the physical event, but all that led up to it and all that happens afterwards. And I think when couples can start getting that in their head, instead of all this other noise, um, you move away from just using your wife as a vessel to release your anxiety and pent-up frustration and vice versa, or to frustrate each other and control. Well, no sugar tonight in your coffee, you know. You've you've hurt my feelings, forget you. Um, which is, that's just sin. That's all it is. The sexual union ought not to be seen as a favor that someone is doing for someone else, nor ought it to be seen as an entitlement that someone is demanding from someone else. If in a marriage there is a reluctance toward sex, then something else is going on. Many couples never talk about their sexual needs. But the husband and wife got to say, okay, this is what I expect. This is what I would love. This is what I would enjoy. This is my frequency. This is where I want to do it. You know, we got to talk through those things because it's important to know what does your spouse need. And then let's honor that and not give in. And then talk about how do I save energy for that, okay? If you if we're supposed to have sex two two times a week, but I'm tired all the time, so how can you help lighten my load? Can you pick up the kids? Can you do the laundry? Can you cook so that I can have I can be ready for you at nine ten o'clock? Okay, and so it's a balance of us finding out how can we save energy to enjoy each other sexually. The ultimate calling of me and sexuality is not first my pleasure because that would distort sexuality because I'm using you for my pleasure. It's not even your pleasure because we may please one another in ways that are an abomination to God. The ultimate pleasure I must pursue is the pleasure of God. That God would be pleased by everything we do in that relationship. Sexual intimacy doesn't happen automatically. This this isn't the moment in which the music starts playing and, and the script carries itself out. Instead, sexual intimacy means getting to know one's husband or wife, which often takes a long time. I didn't realize when I got married at 23 how a woman's body worked and how long it took her to reach that point that takes a man, you know, about 20 seconds. You know, I was like, man, I'm doing all I can do. I'm giving out all I can give out. She just ought to know that I'm in the mood all the time. He would get frustrated or maybe a little short with me, but I never connected to the dots that he was short with me because he was frustrated in the sexual part of our marriage. There's just that that tension that's there. You know it needs to be broached. You know it needs to be talked about. But that, that tension's there that just says, oh, maybe now's not the right time. It was the elephant in the living room. We, we talked around it. We kind of used little, uh, you know, I'll give you a little hint and you try and pick up on that. And we were just missing on that level. And uh, it wasn't satisfying to her. As hard as it was to broach that subject, uh, when I did, then it was just like the, the dam broke and then we were able to get out all those feelings. And the Lord just blessed that. 
I sensed a real difference in his heart when he started this conversation. And as a result, it just opened me up to, to feel free to just really express myself as well. That just brought us to a new depth in our relationship, a new level of intimacy and trust and um, just, hey, everything's out in the open. From that point on, we learned to continue to communicate in that way and to continue to learn about each other and to grow and to read books and um, just to explore different areas. And it was just a turnaround in our sexual relationship. When I knew that she looked forward to that too and that it was enjoyable for both of us, um, it just made, it made everything better. It made me feel so much better about things, about us. and and uh, it just took our marriage to a new level. I think if you talk to many, many Christian couples and you got them to be honest, they would talk about the fact that they have a less than fulfilling, less than mutually satisfying sexual relationship. I don't think it's about sex. I think it's about relationship. If I've been selfish with you, if I'm easily irritated with you, if living with me is like walking on eggshells, then when you're naked next to me in bed, what are you expecting? You're not expecting this to be tender. You're not expecting me to serve you. You're not expecting me to be excited about your pleasure. You always drag the relationship into the marriage bed. And I'm convinced for most couples, you fix sexual dysfunction outside of the marriage bed because God is actually employing that dysfunction as a barometer of other things that are wrong. It's a pain signal that there are things about the way that we treat one another that make this not work. And you think, we're getting a warning here. Yeah, I think sexual problems are generally a symptom of another problem. I think sex is a byproduct of our intimacy. Uh, again, a lot of people think that sex is our intimacy, but that's not the case. It's a byproduct of our intimacy. Intimacy happens when I let someone into an area of my life that's not readily available to everyone else. If I tell you my name and I tell you where I'm from, I'm not being intimate. But when I'm telling you things that are are not for general consumption, um, that's when I'm beginning to be intimate. Uh, by the way, a little aside, that's where affairs begin. I, I love talking to you. I can tell you things I can't tell my wife. You just told that woman that you're hers and that the physical consummation is only yet to come. <laughs> and so within the context of a marital relationship, oftentimes couples are not experiencing intimacy in their relationship and the sexual relationship that is a byproduct of that and a fruit of that is kind of a lagging indicator. Our orientation to marriage and to sexuality in particular is that I want to be moving towards you and I want to be available to you. And so the, the orientation is not the cultural one, which is this is my body, stay away, I'll let you know when you can have access. And so it, it, it's a complete mind shift. Uh, it really is radical. And yet it's that radical scriptural approach that brings health to marriages.
30 seconds, guys. Thanks, Heratol. Jeff is up first on line three, Lisa on line five. And what's Jeff's issue? The thrill is gone. I know the feeling. And by that you mean? I was exhausted. I mean, come Five seconds, on. Oh, I know the feeling. Oh, ha, ha. Solution for selective hearing. We're back on Loveline Live with Drake and Cheryl. And Jeff is on line three. Hello, Jeff. Hey, love your show. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Jeff. We're glad to take it. What's on your mind? Well, my wife and I have been married for seven years. We have three kids, and it feels like in the last year, the fizzle has gone completely out of our sex life. Did your wife say she's exhausted all the time? Uh, yeah, exactly. Jeff, let me ask you, how much time do you give for the two of you together? Not as much as it used to be. I'm traveling more for my job to help support our new baby. Here's why I asked you about the time alone together. You're gone all week. Your wife is home alone with two kids, a new baby. She's exhausted. For a woman, Jeff, for her to be able to engage in the bedroom, she's got to feel like she's connected on a deeper level. And quite frankly... If she doesn't have that, well, it's not that surprising that she's not all that interested. Jeff, as guys, we have to remember that sex is three-dimensional. No, you don't have to wear those funny glasses. (laughs) It's body, mind, and spirit. We tend to get that compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. Our wives sure don't. You have to carve out time to be together and then use that time to reconnect, soul to soul. Mm. That is excellent advice. That can sometimes help a wife with her exhaustion. I mean, no guarantees, but... No guarantees. uh, That's true. Hmm. Okay, well, I'll give it a shot. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Jeff. Lisa is up next on Loveline Live. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Drake. Hello, Miss Lisa. What can we do for you? Gosh, you know, I never thought I would do this on a radio show, but... Okay, well, I don't know why, but lately I've just been freezing up when he starts to initiate, you know? Now, you said lately. Has this just started happening recently? Yeah, maybe for a year now. First marriage for both of you? It is for me. He was married once before for about three years, but no kids. Lisa, have you ever been concerned that your husband might leave you? Um, I don't think so. I mean... No, but we have been arguing a bit more than usual, and there are times when I go down to the gym and see these women working out, and I think, you know, how long before one of them starts flirting with him and he just loses it? Lisa, here's what I think is happening with you. You're experiencing doubts. Mm -hmm. Now, the ones you mentioned, they may seem like, oh, not a very big deal, but they could be exactly what's causing you to shut down physically. Yeah. Lisa. When a wife, or a husband for that matter, feels insecure about the core commitment in a relationship, about the permanence, that wife has a hard time giving herself freely and uninhibitedly to her man. Mm. She can't do that if she's thinking, I wonder if he's going to be here tomorrow or next Mm -hmm. week or next year. What you need to do is settle this issue with your husband. You need to look each other in the eye and really get honest with each other. Like, re-embrace those words, for better for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. You're stuck with me, right? (laughs) Right. 
Lisa, hearing and knowing that kind of rock-solid commitment is just one key to a healthy sex life, and more importantly, to your marriage. Thanks, guys. Our pleasure, Miss Lisa. Well, that's our show, friends. I'm Drake Majors. And I'm Cheryl Majors. And this has been Loveline Live. Till then, sleep tight. And don't forget to say, I love you. And we're clear. Good show, guys. Hey, any doubts? No, I thought it was pretty good. I was talking to her. (laughs) No. (laughs) No doubts. I know you know you're stuck with me. No matter how exhausted I may be from time to time. And I guess you're stuck with me, even when I get a little cranky. You? Cranky? (laughs) You know, all of a sudden, for some strange reason, I'm not tired at all. In fact, I'm wide awake. Is that so? Hmm. Well, look at me. Not cranky at all. As I mentioned on the onset, that um, the Art of Marriage is designed to be a, a small group uh, series, and we have a large group here. So the disadvantages of a large group, when it should be a small group, are magnified when we're talking about a topic such as intimacy. So I just want to, we're going to work through a few of the questions. I just want you to, you know, uh, do your best to share uh, Something that would uh, benefit the group. Obviously, we're not looking for any, uh, you know, intimate uh, details or for you to share with that. And we're going to go through uh, question three. You might have to get the book, babe. Thank you. We're going to go through uh, question three, and then I'd like to do question four, answer that one. And I'd like to spend some time in question four. I mean, there's a couple of things I really would like to be able to uh, discuss with you. Uh, question four is one of them, and just kind of a you know practical example of question four that we saw in the, uh, in the DVD from uh, one of the fellows or one of the couples in in the uh, in the DVD. Okay, there we go. Very good. So, and I have my wife up here because uh, number one, I love her, <laughs> and uh, she also adds a different perspective. Okay, so I don't want to just give you the male perspective all the time. I do want to, we do want to hear from my wife as well. So anyway, we'll go ahead and uh, work through these. So uh, question three is, on the video, uh, the point was made that couples need to make passion and pleasure priorities in their marriage. Discuss some of the adjustments you've had to make in order to give your sexual relationship its proper place. So would anybody like to kind of tell us on what you've had to do, different adjustments that you've had to make in your marriage from time to time uh, in order to give your uh, sexual relationship its proper place? All right, Glenn. Yes. Thanks Um, thanks for being brave enough to uh, handle this one, brother. We actually read it this week. Last week we were a little caught off guard, so it was good. And it's nice to have Kim in here with me. I thought she was going to be in the kitchen cleaning. She told me she was being uh-huh. on it too. So. 
Um, what we what we have done in the past, which I really know works for us, um, was we had to adjust our schedule. I'm more of a I sleep in later, and she's up at six. I'm getting out, trying to get out of bed at eight. You know what I mean? Or she's going to bed at eight, and I'm you know up at till eleven. So we've had to adjust. You know, we've, I have to get up earlier, or she has to go to stay up a little later to make that time together for both of us. And that's something that we've done, and it has worked um, for different reasons. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Any others? You knew you were just going to stare at us. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done this, but um, I just a suggestion. I mean, if husbands help their wives do dishes at night after they, they cook um, or help them out uh, when they come home, especially if women have children, um, if the husband helps the wife out, then um, they have more time together um, if they work together because a woman's work in the home is a big job and I know it's a big job for a husband to work outside the home but it's a big job in the home and so if they work together in the home then they have more time together okay. Thanks Tamara Certainly that's one thing that I had to learn um, over time was that um, uh, to be able to, you know, schedule that time, uh, you know, with wives working with children throughout the day. Men, we uh, generally don't really understand all of the um, stamina uh, that it takes to be able to uh, do that energy throughout the day to be able to watch kids. And then when I had the opportunity, my wife was uh, working on the weekends. I had my daughter for the weekends. And then I learned on all the uh, energy that it takes to uh, watch little ones. So that's something that we certainly, as men, we need to uh, be able to look out for and to see what ways that we can help our wives out so that at the end of the day, she's not as tired and we can, uh, you know, we can spend time together. So thanks for that. That's certainly a good, uh, good advice. Uh, something I learned is we have problems in the workplace and we have issues even at home where the kids are screaming or something. You have to somehow leave your problems at the door. You can't bring them into other aspects of your life. If there's a problem at work, the minute you get home, it stays at the door. It doesn't come inside the house. Same thing with kids. If they're misbehaving, leave that problem at the door. It doesn't come in the house. It stops at a certain point, and that's it. Okay. That's another one I had to learn the hard way. (laughs) I'm going to respectfully disagree with that in the sense that men are waffles, but women are spaghetti. Um, Explain, please. So (laughs) that was a book. Men can easily compartmentalize their lives and leave stuff at work and leave stuff in the living room with the kids. And then when they shut the bedroom door, they're in that compartment. But... Women are much different in that everything is interwoven in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so my wife needs to know, in order to build the relationship, she needs to know what's going on at work. She needs to know uh, how I'm handling the stress or the good things that are happening at work so that we are building, we're working on the relationship outside of the the marriage bed. Um, And... So, so that's 
in one sense we can try to leave things out, but in another sense, it, it helps build the relationship when she is she is my helper. She's able to bear the burden with me. So so I've I've found it helpful to open up about everything and just let her let her in and and build the relationship with her and I have found it much easier to um, transition. I don't know. That's a huge part of my husband's life is work. So that's an entire avenue that I have no knowledge of if mm-hmm. he leaves it at work all the time. So no, there's you know proprietary stuff that I shouldn't know, and that's totally fine. But like day to day operations with his you know talking with his coworkers and funny things that have gone on during the day, I want to know those things because that gives me insight into him as well. Mm-hmm. Very good, thank you. That's where balance and communication come in as couples because you can communicate on how that works best for each individual couple. Some couples might function well in that place of I just need to shut it all down for a minute and just be with you. And some couples need more time where we can go, I just need adult conversation. I don't even care what it is. I just want to hear all the funny things that happened to you at work today. What did you order for lunch? It doesn't matter as long as it wasn't macaroni and cheese and SpaghettiOs. I want to hear all about it, every little detail. So I think that's where we as couples, that communication is key. And in that time, that also helps us to get closer together because now we're figuring each other out. Maybe maybe I'm like Rhoda Jean and I, I want to hear every doggone detail. And he's at the place where he's like, really, if I have to talk about work one more second, I'm going to lose my mind, right? <laughs> So that's where learning each other will come into play. So it's not as if there's an always a right or a wrong. It's just finding out work, what works best for your relationship so that you can glorify God together in your relationship. Do you have a microphone back there or do you need to? Okay. Um, to answer the question that they were talking about, how she was tired, um, being a mom of three, uh, usually like for my husband, his job at the end of the night is like, what's up, good night. <laughs> and mine is finish the dishes, finish cleaning up, put the pillows back on the couch, get everything organized, set my clock, you know, get everything ready for the next day, for the kids, put their clothes out. Um, sometimes it, we are tired at the end of the day and we're exhausted, but there are times where I look at my husband and he's looking at me with that look and I'm like, you want to put the kids to bed? Do you want to help me a little bit? you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And if we work together as a team, we end up going to bed at the same time instead of, like, him already in bed and getting annoyed and waning. You know, things like that. I mean, as a couple, you sometimes forget that the other person has, like, a million things on their list. Yes. And the other person is just like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Have you ever seen that little checklist thing that's like, Men, um, brush your teeth, go to bed. And women, their good night thing is like the huge list of everything. And then make your children brush their teeth. And it's a lot of work. And even if you don't have kids, there are still things you do at the end of the day. And sometimes I'm OCD, but it can be left till the next day. You don't have to sit there and make sure all the dishes are done. It won't kill the dishes. It will hurt your relationship, though, if you put your housework and priority over your husband's feelings. 
because there have been times where I'm cooking and my husband will come up behind me and hug on me and I'm like, oh, my hands have chicken on them. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and you're like, don't touch me. But they feel rejected and they don't feel loved if you don't take a moment to show your love back. So just remember that, you know, it's both ways. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Janice, I like that. I'm going to use that. It's not going to kill the dishes. <laughs> um, I was just going to follow up with the, um, like, bringing work home and stuff like that. I think I agree with both, but I think there's different aspects to both that people can identify with. And um, bringing work home in the sense that you bring home your negative attitude and project that on your family, then that's obviously something that you want to work on. Um, and but also being able to be open about what's going on in your life, and that's obviously going to build a relationship. Um, but if you bring with it the all the negative too, and not being able to sort through that, and not projecting that um, on your spouse, and that's something that you'll have to work through. But I think both bring a good aspect to talking about things that go on throughout the day. Okay, very good. Thank you. Let's go on to uh, question four. Um, so a couple of things I want to get in here, but it just says, uh, read 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. In the context of sexual intimacy and marriage, explain what is meant by the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So let me go ahead and read those verses, and then if you can kind of maybe think of... Um, what you'd like to answer. Um, in verse 3, it says, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except by perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So, in answering that question? I think it means something similar to what I read uh, in Timothy Keller's Meaning of Marriage, that sometimes you should just have sex even when neither of you want to. Um, and it, you don't have to have matching moods in order to engage in marital intimacy uh, because the point is not always each other's pleasure so much as furthering the relationship, reconsummating and re, you know, recommitting your vows to one another and, and being in the oneness of marriage. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Any others? that part of the scripture just clarifies when you're expecting children and procreating for a family in difficult pregnancies. I was sick in bed for three months with our daughter. Mm -hmm. A lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you.
And then certainly by the marriage covenant, uh, each spouse gives a right of their own body to the other. So that is in you know the marriage uh, marriage covenant of giving your body body to each other. But I'd like to I'd really like to kind of just talk a little bit more regarding these uh, these verses. And um, you know it says that um, you know as Christians we are not to sexually deprive our spouses. And um, you know if you look at um, at, at verse uh, five, it says, "Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time." So this is a command. Um, this is serious, and so we need to be able to get together as spouses and be able to discuss with one another things that we need to do to help one another out so that we can allow time for each other. I mean, this is a very important area. And I really believe, to some degree, you're playing with fire if you don't take these verses serious. Now, I'd like to just talk a little bit more, you know, about that. Uh, Men and women obviously have different sex drives. It's not that they do not enjoy sex um, uh, as each other does, but... Men are much more physical um, with sex. It's uh, they do feel pressure within their bodies for it, and women come to the place and time in a different way than what men do. Um, it's been said that uh, men are kind of like uh, microwaves when it comes to when it comes to spending time together, and women are more like crockpots. And again, I'm not. It's not a you know degrading either one of them, but that's just the reality of it. So we need to be able to get together and be able to discuss these um, these issues openly. But also, you know, we're to respect that. Do not give Satan a foothold, the verses say. So if we're not engaging in regular um, time together with sex with one another, then we are we can give Satan a foothold here. So on page 70, this is a very difficult topic for most couples to discuss. Um, I know that it was uh, difficult for my wife and I at first, but um, on page 70, it talks about communicating about sex. And again, I would go through this with your spouse. Plan a time during the week and be able to, to go through it. I'd also like to point out that... Um, uh, withholding sex from each other should never be used as a form of punishment. You know, you disagree with something that your spouse did, so therefore I'm going to withhold sex from you. And then also, it's not a bargaining chip either for something that you want. So those are just a couple of things to keep in mind, that we never withhold sex because it's a, it's a form of punishment, I want to get back at you, or it's a bargaining chip for something that I want. Um, secondly, I'd like to say, because I think husbands, uh, the way we view sex, it's, we would say it's our, our number one need, um, that I will say that uh, this is not your ticket or your license to say to your wife that, um, you know, that you would basically have to spend time with me or have sex with me any time I demand it. And uh, that's not what these verses are saying. But what I am saying is, is that you need to be able to discuss this uh, openly uh, with your wife. But also in 1 Thessalonians 4, if you look at uh, verses 3 and 4, it talks about we are still responsible for maintaining self-control in, in the sexual area. So we're still responsible for that. 
But this is obviously a very important area, and I believe that most every couple needs to discuss this. You need to be able to discuss, you know, when is it uh, that you'll be able to spend time together, be able to plan for it, to be able to enjoy it with one another. But it is a very important area in marriage. And I believe that there's a lot of problems in a lot of marriages from this. And the scriptures are clear on this. Do not deprive each other of this. So this is something that is very important that we need to be able to discuss. Now, I will tell you that a very practical way that this works itself out in marriage and we went through this in uh, men's fraternity. But the one couple, with, uh, the, the fellow had the uh, shaved uh, head there, uh, Jeff and Debbie uh, uh, Shreve. Um, I will call this, it's, it's basically, I call it the Cold War in marriage. And what it is is that um, a, 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 the husband will say his number one need is, is um, to spend time with his wife. So his physical needs... And then the wife will say, you know, my needs, my primary needs are uh, for affection and my emotional needs. I need to have those met. And so what happens is, is we get into this spiral because one withholds what the other one wants from them. And then, um, and so it becomes like a vicious cycle. So if I'm looking for my physical needs to be met by my wife, and I don't feel like she's meeting them, well, then I withhold her, you know, meeting her emotional needs. And vice versa. She does the same thing to me. And we get into this, it's like a death spiral. And I've talked with couples through the years, and this is a major problem. Now, what I will say this is that you must recognize it. And I remember, I can't exactly remember the times, you know, when we've talked about this and been able to discuss it out. But I, I remember when I was going through men's fraternity and I just said, okay, <laughs> that's right. We do get into this death spiral. I'm looking for my needs to be met. She's looking for her, need, her needs to be met. We're not meeting them for each other. And then it's just like a, a cycle that we create. And unless you recognize it, both spouses recognize this and being able to talk it, it will cause a lot of damage in your marriages. And I believe that there's a lot of marriages that go through years in this cycle where we're looking to have our needs met by our spouse. It's not being met. And so therefore I withhold, you know, their needs from being met with each other. So these two areas, I wanted to make sure that that we were able to sit down really and discuss it so that we're all aware what the word says about um, about um, depriving each other, that uh, it is commanded that we do not do that. Um, it does say in uh, verse um, um, 6 about mutual consent. So again, it's right in the it's right in the scriptures that talks about that we need to get together. We need to be able to discuss these issues, and they're all important. And it affects the rest of your lives as well. Um, so if we're not meeting each other's needs, that bleeds into the other areas into the household, and it does cause a lot of uh, a lot of problems. I just wanted to add to that because you're how you're saying it is the spouses looking at that person meeting their needs and then you get into that spiral. Well, the spiral can go in the other direction when you take the focus off yourself and you're focused on meeting the needs of your spouse. Then if I'm meeting Glenn's needs 
because I'm being selfless, then he in turn is going to want to meet my needs. Mm-hmm. And then it goes in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you. Any other comments? Does anybody have anything else on that? And that truly is like, you know, Rich coined that phrase, the death spiral. We, like you said, we've talked to a lot of couples and we've even experienced it early on in our marriage. It, it, it creates that, I think the one guy said, we were going like this because the communication level isn't there. So I, I think it was in the, this video where he said, you know, I, it's almost like he expected her to read his mind mm-hmm. and know that he was always in the mood, you know, and at the same time, the wife's like going, okay, seriously, I'm like chasing after these little people. I work outside the home. I'm caring for an aging parent, whatever the case may be, you know, all of these things. So it's probably the last thing kind of on her mind. You know, and they weren't able to communicate. But once they were able to sit and talk, it was kind of like everybody had that light bulb moment of being able to realize, oh, okay. And then making the adjustments, as you guys talked about earlier, you, you know, one of you likes to, is a night owl, one's an early bird. We're the exact same way. So we had to do the same thing. We had to talk it out. We had to figure out, okay, maybe not waiting till you know, evening and is, is best for us. Maybe it's better, like, as soon as you come home from work. You know, or whatever the case may be, but making sure that you're making time that meets each other's needs as opposed to just, or just going with the conformity that it only should be at a certain time of day, whatever. But that communication opens all of that up and it just makes everything much better all the way around. Yeah. So just recognizing that we're, we're each, we're wired differently when it comes to, uh, when it comes to sex. And that also that it is um, as the as Debbie pointed out in the in the video there that she was she was totally clueless, and her husband was getting frustrated with her because he feels it physically she doesn't feel it physically like he does, and so she's clueless, and he doesn't bring it up to her and you know from time to time you know us as men will say you know I can't read your mind you know I mean you expect me to read your mind I can't do that. But isn't that what we're doing here? <laughs> we expect our spouse to read our minds regarding this all-important area, but we're unwilling to talk about it. So, again, I think I've kind of beat this horse uh, enough, but just encouraging you to take this material. This is a very, very important session. So I encourage you to just go through the book. It's excellent material in here. And, again, they give you, you know, different topics to discuss on your date night or just you can just have coffee right in your living room and just sit down and discuss these areas. But it is absolutely key in our marriages that we're both on the same page regarding this and that we're meeting each other's needs sexually and emotionally. So it's very important. Any closing comments from any of you? Okay, that's good. <laughs> it is about 12 o'clock, so, uh, so we're dismissed. Thanks, and uh, we'll see you next week. We'll send out an email and let you know what room we'll be meeting in next week.